Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Bible and Me podcast. In this episode, Molly Watts talks to Ruth Dale about the importance of prayer and Bible study in her life and how her professional and personal life was enriched by doing all the things she said she would never do from her I will not do list. Sit back and relax and be encouraged. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals speaking and may not represent the views of Precept Ministries UK. We hope and pray that this podcast will bless you in your walk of faith. If it does, leave us a rating or review and subscribe for more podcasts every Friday. And now, without further ado, here's the podcast. Well, I would just like to welcome Ruth Dale to this podcast today. I'm delighted, Ruth, that you are with us. It is just very exciting for me that you're here and uh, that we're able to talk together. I'm sitting in a beautiful location in Lowick in the Shetland Islands. Uh, Ruth, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Ruth, as I said, you are now in the Shetland Islands. Uh, how on earth did you end up here? Because your accent, I don't think, is an islander's accent, is it? No, it's a Yorkshire accent. <laughs> uh, we started off my journey in Castleford in West Yorkshire, and... Um, 30 years later, we're in Shetland. In Shetland. Yeah. So Castleford, that's near Leeds, I believe. Yeah, about 10 miles from Leeds, yeah. Mm. So that's obviously where you were brought, brought up. and. Yeah, that's where I went to school, where I was born, yeah, mm-hmm. until uh, we went to Bible college, yeah. Right, and what age was that? Oh, that's a very good question. We would have been about 25, 26, 27, mm. something like that, yeah. Mid-20s. And so what are you doing now here in the Shetlands? Well, at the moment, I'm not doing very much. (laughs) Um, We've only been here five months, so there's lots of things that I'm hoping to do this next year. But just finding a feet, really, for the last six months and uh, settling in. Pete's the new pastor at Lerwick Baptist Church. That's your husband, Pete. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what we've been doing over the last few months, yeah. Finding our feet in a foreign land. And you've felt very welcome here, haven't very you? Very welcome, yeah. Mm. Yeah, they've mm. made us really welcome. Lovely people, lovely mm. church, yeah. Well, if I may, I'm going to back up back to Castleford. Okay. And Not um, many people want to back up to Castleford, well, but I love it, so I let's go there. I want to because you became a follower of Jesus Christ when you were relatively young, didn't you? Yeah. Were you brought up in a Christian family? Did you attend church or what happened to you? I have got to say, I have in my opinion, probably the most blessed and privileged upbringing that anybody could have. Um, I was brought up in a gospel hall in a brethren church, but my family, uh, particularly on my dad's side, um, which is a very large family in a small village called Cupsyke, um, were all Christians, the majority of them were Christians, and I had a lot of aunties and uncles, and... um, cousins that were all Christians and we all went to the same church and so I have a heritage of praying grandparents and great-grandparents and aunties and uncles and parents that have definitely played a massive part in my life impacted my life that's such an interesting thing to say right off the bat that you've been brought up in a privileged way because you had such a praying family around you yeah absolutely And, and so why is press so important, do you say? What, what's... Um, because that is the, the telephone line straight to God for our requests, 
for our concerns, for our problems, for anything that we come across in life. But I know my grandparents and parents prayed for me, prayed for every aspect of my life, my faith walk, my salvation, my choice of husband, my choice of job. Any decision I had to make, I knew I had such a supportive family behind me that really cared about what I did and, and wanted to keep me close to um, a Heavenly Father and a God who loved me and created me. And that, yeah, that's a very precious thing to have. Mm. Wow. And so from a young age, you were introduced to the Lord Jesus. But mm -hmm. when did you make the faith um, your own. When did well, you... that's that really goes carries on really from what I was just saying. We go to a camp every year, and we have done all our life. My uh, parents are heavily involved in this Yorkshire Sunday School camp. My grandparents were as well, right from the beginning. And uh, um, the camp that we went to as a family, everybody knows you, and you've been going there, and you're involved. But it was a speaker that said. It doesn't matter whether your family's going to heaven, whether your parents are going to heaven. They, You don't go on their ticket. It's a personal choice. You have to make that decision. Uh, you know, it's a walk that you choose. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember coming out of that tent that evening and thinking, oh, my goodness, if all my family go to heaven and I'm not going, you know, I have to make sure that I'm, I'm right with God so that I can make sure that I'll have that place in heaven with my family. I want to be where, where God is. That is the, 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 the sort of the main thing. And I remember going, me and my cousin, uh, going into the, our own little tent, you know, with our tent leaders and, and making, saying that prayer of faith and accepting Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And, yeah, that, that was my conscious mm. step of, you know, obedience and... Wanting that relationship with a, with a God who loved me, yeah. And you were about how old were you I then? was 11 then, and my cousin was 10. Wow. And so coming to faith at such a, a young age, in a way, how did you find going through school and then further education after that? Was that... Did you have any opposition? Or, again, were you surrounded by people who were able to encourage you? No, school, school, and high school is high school. And... Um, say, I can't say I found it overly difficult. There were our times that my friends would go out and, and I wouldn't go. Mm. Um, but they sort of all expected that of me, that I wouldn't perhaps go to the, some of the places that, that they wouldn't go to. Mm. And, and the strength for standing up like that, again, comes back to your family and friends outside the church when you've got a strong support system behind you. Mm -hmm. The, there's, it gives you a courage and a boldness. That's what I mean about having such a privileged upbringing, really. Mm. Is that, yeah, we make mistakes, we go to the wrong place, we have the wrong relationships at times, you know, that's not God-honouring. But I always try to keep God first in my decisions, you know, and, and that is definitely a driving force. Mm. Were you encouraged to read the Bible at a young age, or is that something that has developed, um, you know, with years, as it were, of being a Christian? No, we were always encouraged to read his Bible, you know, and find out. We, we had a good Sunday school and we had an excellent youth group, a really good youth leaders um, that planned such a lot of events for us. Um, and so we were always encouraged. Mm. Weekends away, teaching weekends away to... Mm. 
find out for herself what the Bible said. Yeah, mm. definitely. And so having left school, I believe you had a choice because you were very artistic, you're very creative. Um, but did you end up going to art school when you left school or what, what, which no. path did you follow? I had um, a list in my Bible that my grandma bought me and I had five I will nots. So I, uh, I will not do any further education. I will not be a nurse. I will not get married. I will not have any children and I will not go and work in the Middle East. That was the list that I wrote in my Bible when I was in my late teens. What prompted you to write that list? What, when you say Fear, I think. Right. I think that's what makes you do your lists of things like that. Things that you just... I thought, I, I hated school, so I didn't want to do any more education. I just thought I would never have the intellect to be, or the patience to be a nurse. Um, I wanted my own car and I wanted to go on holiday and do my own thing. So I didn't want to get married. Children are hard work. And uh, there was a fear at that time, 30 years ago, the Middle East was just so anti-Christian. It's not some place that I would want to go. So that was the list in my Bible of I will not. You will not. So what changed these will nots because I'm now listening to you knowing that those will nots have all been I've done <laughs> yeah they have they've all been I've done yeah. haven't they so what was the yeah. first step so you did actually go on to further education I did you? I um I did social work for two years and then I did nursing <laughs> so you... I went and did psychiatric nursing yeah and that's not easy at all is it no no. So where did you do that? Was that near Leeds in the end? Uh, no, or? I trained at Stanley Road Hospital, which has now uh, all but been knocked down. Mm. Um, but that's, that's where I trained out in Wakefield first. I got a, a place at Art College the same week as I got a place nursing, but nursing paid and Art College didn't. Did not. So, yeah. so Ruth, you have actually done all the I will nots, or actually I have done. Yeah, um, because I know that having left school, you went on to further education. Yeah, so I what's... did two years doing social work, social care, and then went and did my nursing, my psychiatric nursing at Stanley Road Hospital in Wakefield. <laughs> so you actually went nursing, but you yeah. had a place to do art at college, I think, didn't you? Yeah, the same week I got um, accepted for nursing. And for at college, but nursing paid. <laughs> so nursing paid. So did you, were you able to get your car? Were you able to go oh, away on I holiday? Oh, I did my car and I did on my holidays, yeah. You did. Yeah. But I also believe shortly after that, you met Pete. Actually, just before I took my finals, the month, the same month I took my finals, we got married, which is probably not the best timing, but there you go. So, so. you completed your nurse training, your psychiatric mm -hmm. nurse training, yeah. and you got married to Pete. Yeah. Wow, that's quite a lot to cope with at quite a young age. But it is, yes. Yeah. And Pete, I believe, was a minor at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, so he was, yeah. Was yeah, he a local was. lad? Yes, he also worked and lived, well, he lived in Castleford, but he was a new Christian. He'd only been a Christian for a year. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, he was completely, we always say he come from the rough end of Castleford and I come from the posh end. Oh, <laughs> it's not true. Not well, true. Yeah, it is. It is true. <laughs> so you've completed the um, further education. So yeah. you've you crossed that I will not off. Did, yes. You then got married, so we can cross that one <laughs> yes. off. So what happened after you got married? Did you nurse for a while or then yes. what did you do? Yeah. 
I nursed then. I moved to Pontefract Infirmary and worked in acute psychiatry there. Um, and Pete carried on mining for a short time and then he, all the redundancies came in and his parents had had shops before so he went into business, he went into work, he had three shops wow. and about seven market stalls I think at one point mm-hmm. and he ran that and I carried on nursing until Luke came along, our son, three years later. Mm. And then where did the Lord take you after that? Well, when Luke was three... Uh, we got called, we just felt that God was calling us to go to Bible college. Mm-hmm. So I finished my nursing and um, Pete sold his business. And we went to the Faith Mission College in Edinburgh for two years and both studied there. Was that an easy time for you? Was that an easy transition or how would you describe your time? Yeah, it wasn't too difficult, I don't think. Um, I think once you know it's God's will and that you, you're following where he's leading... It's an adventure, and I suppose little did we know then it was the first step to many moves and many adventures. Um, God really does knock chunks off you in Bible college. You know, I can remember our principal saying when we went through the door, if you think you've come into a safe zone and the, the devil's outside, you're completely wrong because he walked right on here with you. And it is, it is true, God really uses that time, although you, it's a privileged thing to be set apart for two years just to study God's word and and to learn about him and his character and what his will for your life is he exposes a lot of things that need to be changed and, and things that need to be challenged and one of the verses from from that is Psalm 139 and verses 23 and 24 where it says search me O Lord and know my heart and try me see if there's anything in me that needs to be changed and altered and that is definitely what God does in your Bible college years. And they're not easy verses to read because that Psalm 139 is such a, a wonderful, encouraging mm. psalm about how valuable we are to God. But those last two verses are always really difficult to to read because um, it's, we don't want our failings and our weaknesses to be exposed. But God's already told us in all them verses before in Psalm 139 how precious we are to him and, and things that he does expose that need changing and challenging and moulding so that he can use us. He does it in such a loving and gracious way and for our benefit. Mm. And so that was our, our Bible college years, yeah. And after Bible college, the Lord took you to another I will not, he didn't did. he? Yeah, well, we thought we were perhaps going back to work with Leeds City Mission. That's what we thought when we went in two years previous. And within six weeks of leaving Bible college, we actually went out to work in Dubai at the United Christian Church of Dubai as supposedly then the youth worker, uh, youth pastor and wife. That's what we went out to do but it didn't quite work out like that so you were probably mid to late 20s by this stage yeah 28 29 i think so you went out to dubai uh this large international church lots of different nationalities worship there um but after how many weeks you it was about six weeks they um actually fired the senior pastor um and there was a lot of problems in the church and that and basically after six well less than six months he left so we were left with uh, an international church mm-hmm. um in a, a difficult area at that time because 
Uh, I found were tapped. Pete got arrested a couple of times. Arrested because of his because face? Because of his face, yeah. They accused him of drink driving and if he was on his way to a Bible study, you know, things like that. They knew where he was going. They knew his car. They knew our car. and So, yeah, it was a, a definitely a time for, for growth and faith. But we saw such blessings in that time because that was the time when there was the AD 2000 and the 1040 window prayer focus of the world was on the Middle East. And we can say firsthand that we saw the blessings from that worldwide prayer because the church just exploded from just over 200 to 1,200 in, in just under two years. And so as... A couple fresh out of Bible college and Pete having not been a Christian for very long really I mean you'd obviously had yeah. a real grounding um, you are now pastoring a church with over a thousand people yeah. I know when I look back on it now I just think if God had told you that before you went into Bible college you would have just not believed it mm. I mean we didn't even know where Dubai was you know never mind go out there and live there but yes it was it was a massive step of faith but that all comes after time of preparation, the importance of knowing God's word and being in God's word. And so what is it about God's word? You know, you say knowing God's word. How do you know God's word? Because obviously you've got a very intimate relationship with the word of God. Yeah. How do you know God's word? Well, I always think it's a bit like, I see God's word as a fire. And us walking in somewhere that's very cold and icy and you see that fire in the distance. And you have a choice. You carry on walking in the cold or you go to that fire. Now, you can go to the fire and you can look at it and you can be there for a couple of minutes and think, wow, that's warm. And then you can set off in the cold again. And actually, it does you very little good. But if you're prepared to sit down at that fire and let that heat soak in, dry your clothes off, warm you up right to your insides, when you do leave that place again, you go out much more invigorated and on literally on fire for God in a lovely way and it's that warmth that you take with you into the cold place of the world that affects other people around you so I have these do spend time in the Bible and do it regularly drink in as much as you can while you're there and the third one is so important that you've got to dwell it's all right sitting and drinking in but if you don't spend enough time they're dwelling in God's word and then letting that digest, you won't be able to go out daily and do what you need to do. And there's some D's there. That's very helpful. So do do get into God's Word. Do, and do it regularly. Yeah. Drink in what's there. Okay, so how do you actually drink in what's there? What do you do to drink in God's Word? Just reading it over and over again. And precept ministries, precept books are really good at, at helping you if you struggle with that it is very difficult to read a passage and then go back and read it again and again and again we tend to read and then move on and read and then move on but sometimes you've just got to stick in a passage for a little bit longer and and find out what God's really saying to us in, in that and so that's what I would say is the drinking in um you don't make a cup of tea and have one sip mm. you make a cup of tea and you drink it all and and you get the benefit of that and that's what it's like with God's word. You might not understand it the first time you read it. And it might be that you need a helping hand. And, and Precept Ministries have some great books uh, and topics and books of the Bible that will help you if there's a particular book that you want to do or a particular subject that you want to know more about. 
and it will help you get back and read that same passage over and over again and look for things that you'd never thought about looking for before and that's drinking it in mm. keeping going over it drink it finish it and then more importantly is to dwell on what you've drunk in enjoy what you've drunk. let it soak in let it sink in go back to it you know and just yeah i think dwell's a great word you know it's rest relax take on board enjoy it and then let it digest let it sink in you know don't just go oh yeah that was really exciting that were a, a you know a real word yeah that we've never seen that before but take the time to digest it so what does that mean to me how does that affect me or is that word for somebody else do i need to share that with somebody has god given me that so that when i leave this fire i'm going to go out with that warm blessing to pass on to somebody else to warm them up to encourage them in their walk it is it's a process but you've got to do it to be in the place of doing mm. for him you've got to do the study to be the person that can do the things that he wants you to do that's very practical very helpful thank you it's a lovely image of the fire and uh, dwelling doing mm. dwelling drinking in and then um, just living it out really yeah. sharing it um so you've brought in Precept. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you first connect with Precept Ministries? Because I think you were in um, Dubai yeah, at the time, Dubai, weren't you? Yeah. Um, I think it was somebody in the church from... We had different nationalities and we had... So on a Friday we had six services for different nationalities. It was Goodness. exhausting. But one of the fellowships was the Karama Fellowship. was mainly Asian and just the most wonderful group of people. And we brought a lady over. They introduced me to a lady from India who was involved in Precept Ministries and said, we'd love to have a conference. Well, it was difficult in those days to have anything like that. But we hired a room um, at Holy Trinity Compound and we had over 200 women that came from all over the Middle East to hear this lady uh, share about what Precept Ministries is and how to study your Bible in a really simple effective way and you know you do it for yourself don't let anybody tell you you get your pen and paper out you'll look at your Bible and see what God's saying to you so that was my introduction to precepts so we ran precept groups in Dubai small precept groups that's how I started yeah and a number of years passed between leaving Dubai and when you and I first connected Um, and I know unfortunately we haven't got a lot of time to talk about that but it was a time when you felt you had to leave Dubai. Pete was actually burnt exhausted. out, exhausted. You were a young yeah. family and um, you came back to the UK. Um, but then you ended up, after a number of years, working for Arab World Ministries, yeah, did you that's not? Right. Yeah, for 18 months. Well, Pete did. Pete worked for Arab World Ministries for 18 months, yeah. And that was in, I think, Loughborough. Yeah. And that's before going back up to Yorkshire yeah. to Bradford. To Bradford, yes. And so Bradford was your home for many years, wasn't it? We lived there for seven years and worked at Sunbridge Road Mission on the pastoral team, both of us, Mm. yeah. And I think it was during those years that you and I got to know each other reasonably well. Yeah, we started Uh, preset groups there, yeah. And so when you first went to Sunbridge Road, um, I think there was a lady who was running the ladies group, but she kind of stepped down pretty soon after you got there, is that right? And then you were asked to take over the group yeah, um, and <laughs> <laughs> go, go. 
You've got a good memory, Molly, yeah. I may have that wrong, but you started off leading the small group. Yeah, we started with a ladies' group doing a precept study, yeah. And what was your initial thoughts about that? Because you had people from all ages and stages in that group. Um, Were you nervous about doing it? Were you excited? Because I think, was it Daniel you started? No, we didn't start with Daniel in the ladies' study. I can't remember which book we did first. I think because I had a lot of the elders' wives were in that group and also some of the mums from Mother and Toddlers and some of our younger... Because a lot of women work these days. Um, it wasn't a massive group. There's probably about 10, 15 of us uh, that that could meet. And a lot of them were older, retired women. So I was a little bit dubious because, you know, you're going into a start something new. And uh, I was just blown away by their questions and and how much they just got on board with doing the study and one of the ladies said to me I have been a Christian for 60 years and I have never ever studied the Bible like I'm doing now God has never spoke to me directly out of his word as much as he has since he started doing it and that was just wow you know and a lot of them felt exactly the same because suddenly they have a freedom to study God's word for themselves without somebody telling them what it says um, and what it means. They just look at God's word, they look what it says, they do cross-referencing and they highlight the points that, um, that they're asked to look at. They read the same passage over and over again, which very few of us do uh, regularly. Um, and they found the truth for themselves and that's the difference. They mm-hmm. find the truth themselves nobody tells them mm. it's it's doing and dwelling and finding out for yourself and that for me is just so encouraging because that's what I loved about this mm. way of studying it's discovering the truth for yourself so by us teaching the simple tools of inductive yeah. study you go to the bible first we teach people how to observe the text so as you were saying Ruth there's marking mm-hmm. the text then listing, um, having asked the questions of who, what, when, where, why and how, you can then understand what it means so you can apply it to your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, the study resources that you have used are what we call the New Inductive Study Series yes. mainly, which yeah, cover books are. of the Bible, yes, aren't they? they? Do, yeah. And so people were getting kind of a survey of a complete book of the Bible, rather than a verse here and a verse there. Yes. They were able to understand what that was. And put it in context with yes. the rest of the Bible. I mean, when we did Daniel for the first time, I said to the group, we're going to do Daniel. By this time, the group had just grown and we'd got 35 people from 16 to 92 uh, on an evening, uh, men and women. And... Uh, uh, I said, we're going to do Daniel, and one of them said, we all know the story of Daniel, Ruth. Mm-hmm. You know, Daniel in the lion's den is known. We don't really need to study Daniel. Well, my word, of course, Daniel is only a little few verses about Daniel in the lion's den, but there is so much more to Daniel. It's such a deep, and it can be quite a complicated book, but the way that the study's laid out, you just learn so much. And they were so excited by what they found in Daniel that we went on to do uh, one and two Mm-mm. Thessalonians. And then we did Revelation, which was uh, quite a mammoth task, but it changed our church completely. It absolutely blew it out of the water in their knowledge of the Bible. It was just transforming. It was fantastic. There you go. It's absolutely brilliant to hear. Really exciting yeah. to hear. And you were the families and youth worker at the time in the church, I think, weren't you? Yeah, but you weren't right. there forever. You said stayed there for seven years. Yeah. 
And then you moved to Guernsey, I yes, believe. Yes, Guernsey for five years. Sunshine posting down in Guernsey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, how did that? How did the Lord make that clear for you to move there? Was there some scripture that He used, or was it just through prayer and encouragement? Peter was ready to take on a new pastorate. He wanted a change. He felt like God was calling him to something new. And uh, the Channel Islands is a beautiful place to live, so it wasn't nice. And we were just looking at different places that were looking for pastors. And uh, this was the only one when we were looking at that we really felt that, that God could use us. And, uh, and we both looked at it at different times and both come back and said the same thing. We think this could be the one. And Pete rang up there and there were lovely people, lovely place. And so we did end up going there. Because you only get a five-year licence on Guernsey. So we, we ended up ministering in uh, what was then Zion Christian Fellowship mm. in St Saviour's in Guernsey. Mm. There are joys in each. Um, I'd, I'm going to call it a posting because <laughs> yeah. obviously Nigel, my husband, was in the army for 25 years and we were posted every year, every two years. Um, so you had a five-year, if you like, posting yeah. There, there were some joys there, but there's some challenges there yeah. as well. Um, yeah, it, it, I think every church in every area has, has challenges and strengths, and um, they had there were some really lovely people there, really oh. godly people there. But being a smaller church on a small island has different challenges, obviously, to the church that we were in in Bradford, which is a big inner city church, you know, mm. with a, a lot of complex problems. In fact, probably. The opposite end of the scale you couldn't have got much opposite you know mm. uh, the church in Guernsey was a wealthy church and and um, not the same kind of environment as as there was in uh, in Bradford and by that I just got a small snapshot of that because we visited you on a number mm-hmm. of occasions yeah. and uh, the church itself was located in the red light district I think in Bradford yeah. in Bradford and yeah. you had a real ministry an outreach ministry to the local prostitutes the down yeah. and outs the pimps and yeah. um, it was just an incredible time of ministry there for mm-hmm. you and very difficult big Asian community yeah. a lot of um, violence a lot yeah. of challenges um, so you went from that to Guernsey. The peace and tranquility of Guernsey, which I think in God is so good to us. He knows when we get tired, and I was exhausted. From, it was my turn to be burnt out, I think, really. And I know my parents were quite worried about me in Bradford because it was just 24-7. We had people living with us sometimes. We had people's children staying with us because the needs was just so high. Mm. And... Um, I think going to Guernsey gave us a chance to serve and minister to a, a much less needier physically mm-hmm. kind of church. but uh, And to just spend time, you have much more time to study yourself and pray and enjoy the scenery as, as well as to be a blessing and that church to be a blessing mm-hmm. to you. So yeah, God's so good. Yeah. And he whisked you out of that again after five years, yeah. planted you back in Bradford. Yeah, um, we went back to the house that they owned in Bradford, mm-hmm. yeah, for Leah to finish her education. She's got a daughter as well, who's nearly 17, but she needed to finish her GCSEs. So we went back to Bradford Christian School, which is an amazing school in Bradford. And um, she did two years, finished two years GCSEs there before moving on before moving on so you started off life as a psychiatric nurse you mm-hmm. then um, became part of the leadership of a large church um, mother full-time mother as well you have become been a youth and uh, families worker 
obviously um, a co-leader again at another church. You've you've had lots of different hats. Mm-hmm. Um, grandma. And a grandma, <laughs> yeah, now a grandma, grandma as yeah. well. So um, the Lord's taken you quite a journey, and he's brought you here now to the Chetland Islands, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. So you've been here five or six months. So tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about um, how you arrived here, what your your hopes are for your time here. Well, getting here was quite a, a thing, really, because in 2014, when we were still in Guernsey, God told me that we were coming to the Shetland Islands. And I did inform my husband that that was the case, but he didn't believe me. So it took another two years and another three years before we got here. He just said, I don't think so. He says, I think God's going to call us to a, a big inner city church next. And um, so he was looking for that. But I knew in my heart of hearts that this is where we were going to go. So how did you cope with that as a wife who really believed that you were going to come to the Shetland Islands, but yet Pete wasn't at that place? So as a wife, how did you manage that? Well, I think God is just so gracious to you. I knew that Leah needed to finish her education as well. She needed to finish and complete her, her GCSEs. And the best place for her was back at the school that she'd been previously where she knew people and um, so I knew that was right and I knew that we had to go back to Bradford because uh, that's when our grandson was being born but that first within that first two months of going back to Bradford from Guernsey uh, Ethan was born our grandson but Pete's brother died suddenly at the age of 44 I think he was of cancer and Pete needed to be back with his family and this is what I mean everything is in God's timing it might not be what we want Mm -hmm. and it might not be where we want to be but God ultimately knows where we need to be and we needed to be back in Bradford we needed to be the support for Luke and Megan Megan's a doctor Luke's a youth pastor they needed some uh, childcare support and Pete's family needed Mm -hmm. him to be around especially his mum at that time so it's not always easy to do what God wants you to do and it was the hardest two years of our ministry because financially it was Pete didn't have a job for a while and um, I was working at the school uh, to help pay Louis's school fees it was the hardest two years by far Mm. that we had but it was right as well it was a right two years because it was where God wanted us to be and he showed his faithfulness to us in so many ways over that two years that we are not dependent on our own selves for all he provides he he provides for us and he did time and time and time again you know I wanted I thought we'd have to get rid of my car because we just couldn't afford to run the car but we know we needed to run a car Mm. (laughs) for work and everything but how's this going to work out so I said to God just every month I'd say just one more month God let me just keep my car just one more month just one more month and we got a phone call and one of Pete's friends said I've got a car for you Pete so that you'll be able to you know do what God's asked you to do because Pete was still meeting with people who were supporting pastors and he said God's told me to give you this car and he got off the phone and went, John says he's got a car for us, isn't that exciting? I went, no, Peter, I'm praying that God will just help me hang on to my car for one more month. And you're telling me in Bradford where the insurance is phenomenal, 
that God's going to give you another car. But now we've got to try and run two cars. I said, accept the car if they're all right with that, and we'll sell it, and it'll give us some money to be able to um, run the other car. But God said, no. He told him, he said, is it okay to sell the car? And he said, no, God's told me to give you the car and you to run it. And he'll provide what you need. And we ran both cars for the, the rest of that year. We um, Everything was paid for it. The cars ran fine. We had petrol. We never not had petrol or anything. So that's God saying, not only will you, you're in the right place, you're doing the right thing, you might not feel like you are. Mm-hmm. But not only will I give you your own car to run, I'll give Peter a car to run and I'll provide all you need to run that. And actually, when we left, we could bless our Luke with that car. It got passed on to him because his car broke. So, you know, it's God just, you know, pushed down, shaking together, overflowing. Mm. That's what God wants to do if you prepare to step out in faith. Mm. So he confirmed it over and again to you, didn't he? Yeah. And so he finally brought you here to the Shetland Islands and... Peter's taken over Lowick Baptist Church, yeah. and uh, although you don't have a specific role within the church, you are actually about to start, uh, or you have been running, a youth um, Bible study. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about that, because it's not just young people from your church, is it? No, there's a, there's, it's very difficult to find things for 16, what I would call the young adults. Um, there's often things for teenagers, but... Finding something for the young adults is, is always a challenge. So um, we decided to run a, a young adults Bible study group. So we've got um, young people from three different churches that come up to the house on a Wednesday night. And uh, we've been doing lightning studies, which mm-hmm. uh, are just the sort of passages, shorter passages of scripture, and looking at them through precepts. But um, from next week, we're starting the book that they wanted to do, and it's what the Bible says about sex and I think that is it's the hardest book to do I think because you've done it before yeah it's the most challenging book um to do but it's so necessary you know um that they understand for themselves what God says about it not what people in the church says not what the pastor says not what their family says but what God says about it and they look it up they find out for themselves and that gives them a grounding to be able to stand up and say, well, actually, this is why I do what I do. This is what I believe and this is what God says. It's not just what uh, church says because society's idea of what sex is and um, is just so contrary to what God says. So. Mm-hmm. And so you are establishing yourself here. You've already been asked to speak at a number of women's meetings because... Um, our listeners won't know, but Ruth is a tremendous Bible teacher, a great speaker. And so you've been asked to speak at a number of ladies' meetings. You're involved in local committees as well already. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are very arty and crafty. And years yes. ago, you put down your arts and craft to take up nursing. You've always sort yeah. of dabbled, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. But um, you started uh, a little furniture business. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that. Oh, and just... you're guiding around the Shetland Islands as well. Yeah, I trained. I started training uh, to be a tour guide, so that's going to be my new venture for this next year to get established in that and showing people around Shetland. It's a good way of learning yourself as well. So um, there's a lot of history here, isn't there? A lot of history, yeah. A lot of archaeology, wonderful wildlife, and amazing scenery. 
So uh, come and visit Shetland. There's mm. a hundred cruise ships coming in this year from all over the world. Goodness. Because it is a very special place. Mm. And um, so yes, I'm doing that. And shabby shaking furniture. I reclaim bits of furniture and try and make it look nice and mm. pass that on. Because obviously the, there's not a lot of shops here, <laughs> not a lot of furniture shops. So recycling and upcycling is a great way of... Um, making things work and enjoying your crafty skills <laughs> your creative side skills, yeah. and also you've got just to finish with really you've just got a, a vision and a hope to be able to have a small place for That's right, tell yeah. us about that if you're going oh, to something we've always wanted to do right from being married is to have a little retreat center a cottage a craft or something um that can bless other people we know how hard it is in ministry and we know there are times that you just want to get away for a week or two weeks and just spend time with God, walk in a beautiful place, uh, enjoy some fresh air and some peace and quiet. So we're just, at the minute, we're just trying to find something that we can use to bless churches, to bless ministers and pastors, um, that people can ring up and say, we've got our pastor that needs a bit of a rest or we've got... Um, one of our leaders would like to write a book and they need to just get away for a bit or they've had an illness or whatever, a bereavement. So that's the idea that we'll have somewhere that will just be a real blessing. It's the perfect place mm. to come for some R&R &R and uh, peace and quiet. So, yeah, it's just finding the right place. Finding so that is our, our That's your task, prayer, isn't it? Yes, to do. And just to finally, finally finish this interview with, have you got a favourite verse um, oh gosh, or... Yeah a Bible character that has really meant a lot to you over the years? You've probably got many. but it's... Yeah, yeah. Women of the Bible is my absolute passion, and the more obscure they are, the more that they interest me. So there's lots of really obscure women in the Bible that is a part of a verse or just one verse about them. You don't even know the name, but if you spend the time looking into their lives and what they stood for and why they're so important in Scripture, you learn so much... Um, and I have got lots and lots of different women that I like for different reasons. But um, I think the verse that I would, there's two verses, Psalm 105 verse 5 says, Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has pronounced. And whatever walk you're in, whatever you do, whether you're in secular employment, whether you're in ministry or whatever, if you're looking, you'll see God's wonders. You'll see... How often he has his hand on your life and how much he wants to bless you um, and I think that's probably the mm. thing and and the verse that both Peter and myself have had when we it's been hard is just be reminded that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not of ourselves you know we're not we don't have constant strength we have weaknesses and we have failings and there's times that we let god down we are just earthen we're not we ourselves are not the valuable things but it's the things that's in our life that god puts in us that makes us um valuable and treasures for him that he can use and, and spend at his bidding and his calling and you know we always say we're all crackpots and we are <laughs> but you know when you're a crackpot it's that it's through those cracks that that God can really shine his glory. If he is in there, if you've filled your life with his treasure, with his word that you've tested, um, his promises, and you've stood on them promises, then there is going to be a glow of Jesus in your life. And 
yeah the cracks will show sometimes because we're not perfect and we are frail but let God shine through those cracks his love and his mercy and share his faithfulness because that's what will win other people to Jesus Ruth, it has just been a joy to talk with you today. Thank you so much. And we just pray God's blessing on you and Pete and Leah and uh, your ministry here. So thank thank you for joining us today. God bless you. Thanks, Molly. You have been listening to The Bible and Me podcast by Preset Ministries UK. If you enjoyed this episode, please click the subscribe button now and consider leaving us a rating or review. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry or make a donation, visit www.com precept.org.uk or follow us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at PreceptMinUK.